Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant, who just flew in to be here. Yeah, I was I was on the Concorde. I was just in Paris, dude. Dude, I've seen the Concorde. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the Air and Space Museum. Um, not the one in downtown D.C., Yeah, but the one out by Dulles Airport at the new museum. Oh, my God, it's awesome. I wanted on board so bad, but yeah. it's like you're standing right next to and underneath a Concorde. It's cool. They also have, like, Discovery, Space Shuttle Discovery. You're standing right yeah. next to that. It's a really neat museum. Why did they end up grounding the Concorde? Was it not cost efficient? It was. It wasn't. And, like, any time there was any kind of problem, like, everyone died. Really? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> but also the U.S. Um, outlawed supersonic air travel. So, like, you couldn't fly across the interior of the continent. Oh, uh, okay. Um, which cut out, like, a lot of the revenue source. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, it was just, um, and I don't think Air France or British Airways ever even broke even in all those years. On Concorde flights? Yeah. But, and then in 2003, there was that most recent crash, that last crash, and after that, that was it for the Concorde. Yeah. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, my friend Justin, who you know, his mom... When they had like some final flights of the Concorde, mm-hmm. uh-huh, flight of the Concorde, yeah, she went on one of those, yeah, as uh, like just to do it. I think I yeah. might be wrong with that, but I seem to remember that from my past. You could go from London to New York in five hours. What is it usually like eight? Yeah, eight or nine or something. Yeah. And do you remember when Phil Collins played Band Aid? <laughs> he played a show in London yeah. and got on the Concorde, flew to New York, and then played a show there. Yeah, like in the same night. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was Live Aid. Was it Live Aid? Yeah. But, you know, what's the difference? The one thing I knew was that it wasn't Farm Aid. <laughs> yeah. Phil Collins. Oh, he, did he play Farm Aid? I don't think so. No. That was more Willie. Willie and Mellencamp and Neil Young and all those cats. Yeah. So um, Phil Collins flying back and forth between London and New York to deliver his concert. So, Thank God that happened. I, I love Phil Collins. I think that was, Do you really? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Um, that wouldn't have been possible had it not been for something that we like to call the jet age. Yes. Starting around the late 50s, the jet became the preferred mode of travel, which, interestingly, a ticket on a jet was actually less than a ticket on, like, a propeller piston engine plane. Oh, really, at first? Yeah. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, But in the late 50s, you had uh, McDonnell Douglas and Boeing really kind of duking it out to create the jet to get people very quickly from one part of the country to another. Yeah. And it opened up commercial air travel. And all of a sudden, you didn't have to be the richest person in the world to get from, you know, New York to L.A., you know, without having to drive or taking forever to get there. A train, prop plane, whatever. Yeah, and invented jet lag, essentially. Well, there you go. Thanks for finishing my intro for me. <laughs> well, we've only been around, like, we've been leaping time zones for less than 100 years, so there are some beliefs that eventually we may evolve out of jet lag. Yeah. 
But for now, we haven't been doing it long enough. No, it's for been like our, 50, 60 years. Yeah, our bodies to even know what the heck is going on. Right. And that's pretty much what jet lag is. Our body does not know what's going on. Yeah. There's another term for jet lag. It's called desynchronosis. That's uh, a great word for it. Yeah. Your body has a biological clock, and it when you travel from one time zone to another in fairly short order, your body gets out of sync with its environment, and all of a sudden all the cues it uses to regulate itself and all sorts of things that your body does, it gets out of sync. And what happens when you get out of sync? Well, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Chuck, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> um, you can have cognitive problems, problems thinking and problem solving and yeah. um, just general mental problems. Short term, of course, and temporary, but yeah. still, you're not thinking quite right. Health problems. Um, there was a study in 2006 um, from the University of Virginia that found out that um, lab rats who were given jet lag, who were exposed to simulated jet lag, yeah, which is basically, I think, a um, DC to Paris flight uh-huh. once a week for, uh, I guess, most of their lives probably. Older ones died much more quickly than younger ones. Yeah, so if you're old, which I've noticed that my jet lag has gotten worse as I've aged. Yeah, man. For sure. I didn't used to get jet lagged at all. Yeah. I didn't know what the big problem was. Yeah. And now it's like one of the worst things that can ever happen to you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, fatigue, alertness, irritability, disorientation, yeah. depression, gastrointestinal illnesses. Yeah. It that, can really mess you up. That comes from flying, too. You get air gas. I never or just the it. change in pressure like creates oh really gas. It's not like methane or anything. It's just like gas bubble in your guts. Do you like fart a lot on planes or after you get off the plane? <laughs> you can, yeah. As a result, sure. And you know what you should do, people. By the way, I'm going to insert some flying etiquette here in there. Are you going to get up and go to the bathroom <laughs> and fart? Don't fart in your seat. Why are you looking at me? Well, because you're across from me. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, I just, you know, me and, and flying now, it's just so annoying to me because it's like a 18th century, you know, bus station these days when you're flying to your yeah. laughing. Everybody's <laughs> wearing like pajamas and oh, like teenage girls with their boots. Oh my gosh. It's just, dress appropriately. You don't even have to dress up, but it's like, uh, like, I don't want to see what you look like in your living room, you know? I know. Well, you take your shoes off, which is something I'm there, There's nothing against. wrong with that because my feet do not smell. <laughs> if my feet smelled and my shoes smelled, I wouldn't take them off. I'm very, very aware of that kind of thing. But it's funny that you bring that up because the other night I watched uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Great scene. Which is, that movie really holds up. Oh, yeah. Um, and John Candy takes his shoes off yeah, and, and then socks. takes his socks <laughs> off. And I thought, well, I don't take my socks off. Right. <laughs> but I thought of you because I know that you think that's a terrible thing to do. Yeah, I just think you should remain fully clothed when you're out in public like that. I'm cool with taking the shoes off as long as the socks stay on and your feet don't stink. <laughs> but okay, so so uh, you're on a plane. You're, you've are you got all these symptoms awaiting you. And if you are um, part of the 94% of Americans, you are going to get jet lag. Yo, I wonder what's going on with those 6%. They're probably like younger people who don't know what they're talking about. You think? Yes. Interesting. Because it's biological. I just, I bet you there's something to that 6% besides you're five years old. You think? 
I doubt if they they interviewed a lot of five year olds about jet lag for the study. Well, not five, but I mean, like I think when I was a late American teenager, adult. I was like, "What's everyone's problem with jet lag? I don't understand what they're talking about." Yeah. So, and, and I specifically remember being interviewed in 1998 oh, yeah? to ask if I got jet lag, <laughs> and I remember going like, "No, of course no. not." Uh, but it is a problem. It's unpleasant for some people, but if you're in the military or if you're some huge big shot CEO. They worry that, you know, it could impair you as a pilot or as a soldier or as a big thinker and the head of a company. Or deal closer. Yeah, you don't want some some uh, jet lag CEO lady going in there and not making good decisions and right. making a bad deal. Yeah. How can you be a game changer if you don't have your A game on? <laughs> is that, that's got to be the motto of some company. I, it probably is. <laughs> I, I thought I just made it up. We should, I know when right. plug somebody. Yeah. Like Price Pister or something. <laughs> uh, and then what was the other study? In 2010, the University at Cal did a study of hamsters. Yeah. And it said that um, on the health tip that the the lab rats created new neurons at about half the rate of, of rats who did not fly. So Yeah, that's not good. No, your brain is literally not functioning as well as it should. It's not growing. Nope. Um, and I said about the dying from... That study about rats dying from being exposed to jet lag. Yeah, the older ones. And um, they've also found that in humans, you can have a harder menstruation. Oh yeah. If you're a lady, um, and uh, you can develop heart disease and diabetes more readily. Basically, your entire body is just totally thrown out of whack. You're hungrier at weird times. Sure. You're. Um, just out of it, you're you just don't feel good. Yeah. Stressed out. You have a lot of stress hormones going. So what's going on, Chuck? What is jet lag? Jet lag. Well, we need to talk about the the biological clock that we all have. It's basically uh, the article here describes it of groupings of interacting molecules and cells throughout the body. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to say it. Everything's working together. Uh, they tell our glands, "Hey, release these hormones at this time of day." To make you sleepy, melatonin, which we'll get to in more detail. Maybe adjust your body temperature. It's a couple hours before you're going to wake up, so let's make you really hot for some reason. And the body is all in tuned uh, with each other, all these things firing like uh, a master timepiece. Who wrote this, anyway? Uh, This was... That was a pretty good Patrick Kiger. He's done some good stuff. Yeah, it is a master timepiece. And uh, there are 20,000 nerve cells called the suprachiasmatic... Nucleus, mm-hmm. we'll call it the SEN. It's at the front of the brain, right near the optic nerve, and that is what keeps your circadian rhythm and your sleep and waking cycles going. Yeah, like that, clockwork. That's it. That's the biological clock, the SEN. Yep, it's pretty neat. Um, and the fact that it's located by the optic nerve is kind of telling. Yeah, because one of the ways that it sets itself, it actually has a, it, it's it's on a set cycle, twenty four point six five hour cycle. Yeah. And it's, since it's off a little bit, um, it uses cues to reset itself. And one of the big cues it uses is natural light. Yeah, some people think that it's the light, that the brain is super photosensitive mm-hmm. and that light really is the key to everything there. Well, yeah, like the pineal gland apparently, it, even though it's buried inside the brain, is very light responsive. Yeah. And uh, the pineal gland is one of the things that makes, or it makes uh, melatonin. Oh, okay. Which has to do with sleep cycles. Melatonin is the good sleepy time stuff. So, um, 
you, this whole this whole rhythm that twenty four point six five hour cycle is called your circadian rhythm, circadian rhythm, yeah. right? And um, when it's time to sleep, when it's about the time that you went to sleep the night before, and it's dark out, your brain's melatonin production increases, and right. also you've been building up in your head all day this stuff called adenosine, right? And that they recently found has been linked to um, being sleepy, what's called sleep pressure. Uh-huh. You know, when you try to stay up and you're just getting sleepier and sleepier, it's harder and harder to resist. Yeah. That experience is called sleep pressure, and they think that it's adenosine responsible for that. And it accumulates in the brain until finally, about the time that you should be falling asleep, the sleep pressure is just too much to overcome, and you fall asleep. Yeah, my, uh, uh, fam- my Emily's family, my Ohio family, has uh, a lot of sleep pressure. <laughs> we call it the, the, the yearly gas leak over the holidays. <laughs> That's funny. And we all look up at like 7.45, we'll be watching TV and like everybody's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> after like a big turkey dinner or something like that? Well, after drinking all day and eating oh, and yeah, stuff like it. that. Sure. Yeah. And it's all warm and toasty. Yeah. And so I, I get it, but it's still kind of funny when it's called the gas leak. <laughs> Man, you just made me feel so cozy in that description. It is in a very cozy household. Um so you get the melatonin production increased, you got a data sign built up, and you reach that sleep pressure threshold, and all this stuff is kind of going on this general pattern that's attuned to you and your rhythms. And, yeah. You know, are you a night owl? Do you like to get up early? Do you like to sleep in sure. late? Like, this is your own circadian rhythm. Yeah, and if you mess any of that up without flying, you're going to be thrown out of sorts. If you're sure. a night owl and all of a sudden you get a job or you got to get up super early, mm-hmm. it's going to suck for a little while until your body adjusts. It is going to suck for a little while. Um, and it takes a while for the body to adjust. But it also, we, we've never really, except for the last 60 years, we've never really had the capability of exposing the body to a sudden shock right. of just falling out of rhythm like that. Like I'm flying to Australia? Right, exactly. Yeah. Where there's like a 12 or 13 hour difference. Man, I've never, I've done the Europe thing, but I've never experienced jet lag to that degree. I imagine that it would take me quite a while to adjust. It does. And it sucks because it takes away a percentage of your vacation almost. It definitely does. When you, know? when you me and I went to Japan, when yeah. we got oh, there, God, I bet. we flew there, we flew um, west to east. No, east to west. Right. Because we flew up and over Canada and down Russia. Which and is easier. Japan. It was. Supposedly. But even still, like when we got there, it was like three in the morning and we're just like wide awake. Yeah. And that took a very little while to adjust. But when we flew west to east on the way back. Just get killed. It took two solid weeks of really? being almost like clinically out of our minds. Wow. Before we got back <laughs> on our sleep. Remember that actually. You were pretty wacky there. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. There was a period where, like, the first four days when we got up, we would we would both wake up in the middle of the night, wouldn't even talk. We'd just get up and go out to the car and drive to Crystals mm-hmm. and, like, eat some Crystals and go back home and go to bed. Yeah. And, like, we'd never done that before and haven't done it since. But, like, <laughs> we just not. did it for, like, four <laughs> nights in a row because of jet lag. So we were doing stuff like that all the time. That's weird. But, yeah, going from west to east is the worst. And especially if it's, like, that was a 13-hour time difference. Yeah, what do they call that? It's a phase delay going east to west and a phase advance going west to east. Right. And it's kind of like you can look at it like if, you're, if your clock 
if you're looking at a clock and yeah. your bedtime is a set time, mm-hmm. in phase delay, you're just taking that hour hand and moving it back. So you're just putting off your bedtime a little longer. Yeah. With phase advance, you're moving that hour hand closer suddenly to your bedtime. Even though your body's not ready to sleep, it's bedtime now. Wow. Wow. Well, it's just interesting that the body under, you know, I mean, it makes sense, I guess. I've, what I find interesting is that we've figured out a way to technologically and artificially subject the body to like this kind of shock. Yeah. And that it responds the way that it does. Yeah. You know, that it's, it starts like overproducing this hormone or underproducing that hormone and you go crazy. Well, yeah. And since you mentioned it, that's one of the things that happen. It really, it literally disrupts biological functions, uh, releases stress hormones, drives up your blood pressure. Uh, sends inflammation stimulating chemical markers through your arteries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to mess up your appetite, like you said, because you're used to eating at regular times, and that's why you're eating crystal, because it was that was probably dinner time in Japan, I guess. Yeah, but haven't you ever noticed, like when you get up early, like say you have an early flight or something, like you can get up at a normal time. Say you normally get up at eight. Yeah. You you're maybe you're a little hungry or whatever, but you could skip breakfast. It's not a big deal. But if sure. you're up and like moving around at six or something like that, yeah, for some reason you're just starving. Like hasn't that ever happened to you? Yeah, I'm usually not super hungry in the morning, regardless of what time I wake up. If I'm up really early, I am ravenous for some reason. And I'll also find, and I've always wondered what this was that I'm not as hungry if I don't eat anything, but if I have like the banana. Then it just makes me super hungry. Right, yeah. Yeah. Or have you noticed if you have, uh, like red meat the night before, whenever you get up the next day, you're just ravenous too. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, that happens to me. Interesting. I don't eat a lot of red meat anymore, but I'll. Oh, you don't? No, nah, I mean, just because Emily doesn't, so. Mm. But, you know, I'll still have my steak every now and then. What are you eating these days? Uh, I mean, same thing I've always been eating since I've been with Emily, which is a lot of chicken and turkey and fish. What kind of fish? Uh, it depends. I'll make like tilapia tacos or mm. grilled salmon or nice. like, uh, what's the more flaky, like, uh, not mahi, but I'll, I'll eat mahi too. The, um, sure. uh, flounder. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just go to the farmer's market and what looks, what looks good and fresh. You know, they just took mackerel off the, um, safe to eat or, or fine to eat environmentally list. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know it was on that. Yeah. Tuna, of course. Love tuna. Oh man. But you shouldn't eat a ton of tuna either. How come? I think the mercury. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I eat a lot of raw tuna. Yeah, that they say that, uh, you know, Jeremy Piven supposedly had some sort of mercury poisoning from eating too much sushi, which is why he... <laughs> no way. Yeah, he had to bag out of some movie or show because of it. But then uh, I think later on they said, no, I think he was using that as an excuse, and it wasn't verified that he had mercury poisoning. That's a lot like the Twinkie defense. It may, Yeah, Jeremy Piven had the, the tuna defense. Yeah. But that's why they say if you're pregnant, you shouldn't eat a lot of uh, oh, yeah. sushi. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, that was a sidetrack. Yeah, it was. I think I'm hungry is what the deal <laughs> I is. I am too. <laughs> All right, so why is it so difficult to overcome, Josh? Well, like we said, um, your body's your body's circadian rhythm is not exactly 24 hours, 24.65 hours. And so uh, every day you're ready for sleep a little later and a yeah. little later and a little later. And that's why... Uh, at least Patrick Kiger thinks you are. Uh, it's easier to adjust going from uh, east to west because that means you're going to have to stay up later to hit your normal bedtime yeah. anyway. And since we're already kind of doing that, it's not that big of a deal. And it's not just him. I think that's proven. Like NASA says the same thing. Well, NASA and Patrick <laughs> Kiger. Um, another reason is is not just light. Body temperature, we said, fluctuates. 
Um, it's minimum temperature. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was maximum three hours before you get up. No, T-min. It's, it's minimum temperature. Yeah. All right. I, th- I thought you like got really hot like right before you woke up. You might, but T-min is tr- typically three hours before you normally awake. Okay. And they found that if you uh, if you have to wake up, like during T-min, what yeah. your body is normally used to being at T-min, right. that's when your jet lag is the absolute worst. Um, and I think it's because that's a cue that your body, your whole body has is like, okay, we're still in deep sleep and we're going to be in a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I have to wake up and go to this meeting. The yeah. body's not, it's it's whacked out of its normal process of waking. I wonder if that, sometimes if I get up super early, I have a harder time warming up through the day. I wonder if that has a, makes a difference. I would bet it does. Like if you're used to waking up at a certain body temperature. Yep. You know it takes care of that no matter what, every single time. No matter why you're cold or how cold you are, go spend 15 minutes in a sauna, Yeah, and you will be right as rain. Yeah. It's just a miracle wood box. Yeah, I do that with the hot shower, with the steam. Sometimes it doesn't take with me. Really? Yeah. Sometimes, uh, like, I'll still get out of the shower, and, like, I'm chilled to the core still. How long are you in there? You like, I, in there. I will stay in there for a while and, like, uh-huh. really try to heat up. And, like, most of the time, like, it will get my temperature, like, up yeah. some. With a sauna, it's, like, resetting it back to your normal setting every time. You're kind of cold, though, for a man. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're often chilly uh, when I'm not. And I know I'm super hot. You are very hot. But I think you're also a little cold. Put us, put us together and we make a very well-adjusted exactly. human body temperature-wise. Very, very middle. Um, so ask anyone what their remedy is for jet lag and mm-hmm. you'll get a, 10 different answers. Ask 10 different people. You get 10 different answers. Yeah. That's what you say. Um, ask Bruce Willis. What is he going to say? Make fists with your toes. Make fists with your toes. Uh, it's always been one of my favorite things and I've tried it and it's silly. Of course it doesn't work, but I just do it now because it was in Die Hard. Yeah. Argyle told him to do that. No, no, no. It was a guy on the plane. Fist with your toes. I thought it was Argyle, the no, driver. It was it was on the plane as they were flying in. Oh. And, of course, in Die Hard, it was just a setup to get him without shoes and socks on. Yeah. Because that played a part in the movie. God, that's a good movie. The she's, first one. She's Dame Finster. Yeah. Um, but, like I said, some people use herbal remedies. Some people take melatonin, which is not FDA approved, but you can take melatonin, and synthetic we, melatonin. We should say, it says in this article, it tells you how much to take and when, and we'll tell you too, but we should also add the, the disclaimer, melatonin has interactions with drugs like diabetes drugs, blood yeah. thinners, um, uh, birth control pills. So you uh, may yeah. want to check out what melatonin might do with your medication before you take it. You definitely should. Yeah. Um, some people just say, you know what, I'm going to take a red eye and I'm going to take some Valium and drink some scotch and just knock myself out for the whole flight and that'll do the trick. Yeah. It, that works if you want to die. Yeah. Explain. Well, there's a 36-year-old woman who recently died of a stroke because, and she was otherwise healthy apparently, Yeah. but she passed out on a seven-hour flight or went to sleep or whatever, but she slept for seven hours on a flight and developed thrombosis, which is a blood clot. And it, it, apparently it went from probably her leg to her brain. Yeah. And again, when we went to Japan on, I think it was Japan Airlines, they make you get up. Do they? Yeah. They're like, okay, it's like, it's big, it's 
plane stretching time. Yeah. yeah. And they show you how to do it, like sitting down at your seat. But they're also like, why don't you get up too and walk around? So, wow. yeah, you kind of have to because you can develop a fatal blood clot just from sitting on a plane because yeah, of the change in pressure yeah. and just sitting for that long. Yeah, you're not supposed to sleep in a sitting position. Right. The body's meant to be horizontal and prone. Right. But that's just for rich people on flight. <laughs> Oh, like up in first class now yeah. where they have the sleepers? Yeah. That's, they're, they're so obnoxious. <laughs> they should put first class in the back so you don't have to walk through that scene. I know. Uh, the funniest is when they have like the, the gauzy curtain separating first class and, and coach. And you can see, it's like, I see that you're having a salad. I can see <laughs> your salad. That hot towel looks nice. Give me some of that salad. <laughs> so uh, there are all kinds of home remedies and little wives' tales of what you can do. Right. But if you're an expert, like if you're NASA or if you are uh, Chicago's Rush University Medical Center, you have some real advice like gradually adjusting your circadian rhythm, actually using a light box, which is a lot of effort, but I bet it works. Uh, it does. It also works for seasonal affective disorder. Sure. Um, so there's actually... I came across a paper, and I'll tweet it out or post it on Facebook or something, or blog about it. We'll do something with it, but because um, I couldn't get, I couldn't get it enough in time to really speak about it. Gotcha. But there's there's this guy who came up with a paper that's basically like a computational method for offsetting jet lag, right? And figuring out how to adjust your schedule accordingly. Is it like this in the article? I, uh, yeah, Somewhat. that's the impression that I have, but it's like really detailed. But basically, um, Chicago's Rush University Medical Center researchers say what you want to do is if you're going from west to east, mm-hmm. which is the devil one, yeah, right? Phase advance. Um, you want to start going to bed uh, an hour earlier every day. Yeah. Right? And... Um, like several days, maybe like yeah. five days before your trip, you want to start going to bed an hour earlier. And not just an hour earlier across the board, but earlier and earlier and earlier to where right before your trip, you're going to bed about five hours earlier. Right. And if you're going to take melatonin and you've done all your research, you want to take a half a, gr- a half a milligram of melatonin four and a half hours before bedtime. Yeah. And then so you want to progressively t- push that time earlier and earlier in the day as you're going to bed earlier and earlier at night. And then when you wake up, blast yourself with the light box. Yeah. Oh, well, east to west. That was west to east. Okay. Yeah. East to west, you want to not blast yourself with light. You want to like wear sunglasses. In the morning. And avoid light in the morning. But they say use a light box at your normal bedtime and stay up later. Right. Which makes sense. It sounds pretty torturous. (laughs) It does. There's a New York Times article, too, called A Battle Plan for Jet Lag. Yeah. And um, they, they've done a study with Major League Baseball, actually, because they travel a lot. Oh, yeah. And they said that over a two-year span, teams that uh, went eastward gave up an average of one extra run per game. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But um, they say, which is the old, I guess it's not a wives' tale, if NASA is confirming it, they say it takes about one day per light, um, per time zone to, to get back into that rhythm yeah. in general. And they say the same thing. You got to re uh, to regulate your exposure to light. Um, so when you get in that hotel room, if you're traveling east, you got to expose yourself to light early and advance that clock. Uh, if you're traveling west, expose yourself to light at dusk and in the early part of the evening and delay that clock. And they they say like you know close the curtains, p- put 
a towel over your clock radio. Like, get it as dark as possible. Mm-hmm. Don't look at any computer screens and laptops. They say you shouldn't eat, like, a big meal or a spicy food. Like, the first day you get there, yeah. don't, like, dive right into that vacation. Right. Because that can mess you up as well, uh, gastrointestinally speaking. And uh, what else? Well, the CDC says they, they don't have any suggestions other than, like, Eat a balanced diet and make sure you get some exercise. Jerks. And it's like, of course you're going to say that, CDC. Do you have any other suggestions? Yeah. And they say, yes, wear loose clothing on the flight. Avoid alcohol on, uh, and on caffeine. Well, and afterward. They say that first day on vacation, you shouldn't be hitting the alcohol hard either. Yeah. Because that will just mess up your sleep, period. Yeah. And then have you heard of this uh, thing called the Valky? No. V-A-L-K-E-E? team of scientists in Finland invented this thing and it because their belief is that the brain is it's all about photosensitivity mm-hmm. and so they actually it's sort of like an iPod but instead of the earplugs it emits light through your ear canal directly to the brain oh my gosh and they said it works they tested 350 subjects over four years and uh, found that there is definitely brain activity when the little Valky is on and that nine out of ten subjects felt reduction in stress uh, seasonal depression hmm. and anxiety, and so they're using it for winter blues and PMS and jet lag and migraines. That's and neat. All sorts of stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, I don't know how much it is. Though. I'm curious if it is the price of an iPod or just the size of an iPod. That's a good question. Yeah, I'd try it though. I get pretty bad jet lag. That's like when we go to do events now. I try to fly out a day early just to sort of adjust. Yeah. But um, I can do East Coast, West Coast. It doesn't hit me that bad. Um, yeah, it's more like international that gets me. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had it very bad. Like when we went to the TCAs, it didn't I, I didn't seem out of sorts there or back. I get a little out of sorts. Do you? Yeah, but not super bad. I'm glad, Chuck. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? I got nothing else. Okay, that was jet lag, everybody. Yeah. And uh, that kind of goes in with our sleeping suite. We've done a bunch of those, like how much sleep do you really need? Um, What was the one about the sleep aid? Remember the sleep aid where, like, you could stay up for 48 hours without any sleep? Oh, yeah. I don't remember the title of that one. Who wants to do that? I love my sleep. That was a good episode, though. Yeah. Um, Yeah, a lot of people wish that you didn't have to sleep, I would imagine. Not me. Um, I'm with you. I like sleep, too. (laughs) Uh, if you want to hear any of those, you can go to our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com, and click on the podcast page and just start searching. Go to town. You're going to find some cool stuff. And if you want to read this article, How Jet Lag Works, go to howstuffworks.com, and in the search bar, type jet lag, and it will bring up this fine, fine article. Uh, and I said search bar, so it's time for listening to uh, Josh, I call this a very sweet email from Wendy, and I will be reading some of it and summarizing some of it because it's super long. Uh, She starts out, congratulations on the launch of your TV show. Thank you. Uh, I've been reading online chatter, and I hope it's going uh, comfortably for you behind the scenes as you hear these reactions. It's a bummer when those weird people on the block who mow the lawn naked or pride themselves on not being tricked into attending college think that they're qualified critics. Hopefully you're all too experienced by now to do more than laugh at the losers and just keep doing what you enjoy. (laughs) So I told her that was very nice, and it came at a good time. People can be mean. Man, people have been kind of mean, but hey, we have pretty thick skin. We've been doing this for years. We got the armor on. Um, so anyway, that was very nice, Wendy. And then she just wants, she's been meaning to write in for several years to thank us. Uh, she started listening 
after she moved from Seattle to Burbank in 2008. And uh, it was a pretty depressing time for her, she said, stay-at-home mom. And uh, we really got her through that time. A year later, she moved to Utah. She kept downloading because Chuck was on board, which is nice. Yeah. And uh, it was like having my brothers around for an hour or so every day. It was really nice. She said it was clear by that point, even if we didn't know each other, that you guys would probably be friends of mine if we knew each other. Um, and you would not only appreciate the wild cultural shift from Hollywood to Salt Lake City, but also be more fascinated than turned off by my strange family connections. And she didn't explain what that meant. <laughs> Very mysterious. Uh, then she moved from Utah to Massachusetts, and she was eight months pregnant, and we really helped her through that. And so she was super appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. And then she says this. A long time ago, you had a mini-side conversation about what bromance meant, and seemed to conclude that it was uh, guys who had a manly friend crush on another guy mm-hmm. that they knew and they'd really enjoy hanging out with. I don't think we invented that. No, no. That's commonly what sure. the bromance is known as. I may be a woman, but I do have a major friend crush on you guys. Uh, you filled in for uh, the awesome friends and family that I've missed, um, intelligently shooting the breeze for the last, wow, almost five years now. That is really nice. Yeah, so she's moving around, and we've, we've helped her out as substituting for her smart friends. Keep podcasting. Take care of yourselves. Uh, you know that in the zombie apocalypse, I definitely have your backs. By the way, my weapon of choice would be an Iron Age Scandinavian sax in one hand, mm-hmm. a long-handled axe in the other and a shotgun I could carry across my back. So, Wendy, you are well-armed, my lady. Yeah. And uh, you'll be right by our sides. Thanks for that, Wendy. Yeah. Um, we're glad we could help you through the last five years. Can you believe it's been like five years? Pretty soon. It, I saw a tweet from a listener that said that they were off to college and they started listening in eighth grade. Well, and Sarah, uh, our amazing 11-year-old fan, uh-huh. is now 15. Man, that's nuts. And she... She's going to be driving soon. She is. I want to fix her up with my nephew. It's too bad they don't live in the same state. Well, hey, we're living in the jet age, Chuck. That's true. (laughs) Uh, If you want to tell us how we helped you out um, or helped you through some rough times or we're just there for you, you know, like the pals we are, we always want to hear that kind of thing. Indeed. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Oh, how about this? You can also tell us any of your jet lag remedies. Yeah, I'd like to hear them. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com. You can send us a uh, an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. And you can check us out on the web. We have a new home, a website, our very own website. It is appropriately called www.stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places.